We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Hello, Chargers fans, and welcome to the Guilty as Charged podcast. It's just me, Tyler, and Steven today because Jason is in Texas. He's buying millennial soaps. If you don't know what I'm talking about, just check his Twitter account. Uh, hi, Jason. Hopefully to have you back soon. But for now, just me and Steven. Uh, we thought today we'd be covering some defensive draft prospects, but that got pushed back because Telesco made some uh, both expected and unexpected moves this past week. Wide receiver Travis Benjamin is out. We expected that. But then the big blockbuster, left tackle Russell Okung has been traded for right guard Trey Turner. And to cap it all off, Austin Eckler has been given a deal through the 2023 season, which to me sounds crazy. I, I, it's, isn't it like 2015 right now? How is 2023? <laughs> so, like that's, that seems so far. But um, before we jump into all the news, Stephen has an interview to share with all you guys. Stephen, what can you tell us about that? Yeah, so we... Uh are very fortunate to bring on Eric Williams of ESPN today. You know, he's been covering for the charter covering the chargers for a long time now uh, and doing it in an excellent manner. So this is a really big opportunity for us. And we're really, we are really looking forward to listening to the chat that I had with Eric Williams. All right, chargers fans. We're super excited to welcome into the guilty as charged podcast. The man who is the main reporter for NFL nation and ESPN that covers the Los Angeles chargers. Uh, Mr. Eric Williams, how are you doing today, Eric? I'm doing good, Steve. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, we're so happy to have you on here, and you know we're just pumped. You know, free agency is right around the corner. This is a great time. You know, I, know I love the off season. I know there's not really an off season for you because you guys are doing so many things, covering the combine and the draft and free agency and all that stuff. So uh, we're really happy for you to be here. Yeah, cool. Thanks for having me, and, and yeah, I just 
it's uh it's part of covering the NFL nowadays. There's so much interest. Um, it, it doesn't it doesn't stop. And actually, the off season I think is more people like the off season not, than than the regular season at times. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely one of those guys that that loves the off season. I love reading all the mock drafts and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so getting into things, I, I did want to talk about uh, Philip Rivers and just kind of his legacy and. And if you could just reminisce on perhaps your favorite Philip Rivers story from your time covering the Los Angeles and San Diego Chargers. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of moments, um, you know, like when I think back and just being around him, both, you know, on the practice field, watching him and then off the practice field in the locker room, watching him interact with with teammates, those kind of things. Um, but I think probably um the most moment that I enjoyed was watching him coach his son, Gunner, flag football and that interaction um, and, and, and him trying to teach his son how to play the game, watching his son uh, listen to, you know, his dad um, and then how animated he was as a coach, uh, how fiery he was as a coach. I can imagine what he's going to be like when he's ultimately coaching high school and being on the sidelines. Uh, it's going to be a lot of officials that are going to have their ears bleeding because of Philip. Um, so I, I just kind of just thought it was interesting to, to watch that interaction and, and, and to see him and, and how he was around his, his family. Yeah. I've always been super interested and just kind of curious how he, if does he bring that same level of trash talk to coaching that he did playing? Like, yeah. you know, he was so known for that fiery passion. Was he the same way as a coach? He was the same way. I mean, he wasn't as over the top as he is on the field, but, yeah, he's definitely giving people the business in his G-rated type of, of way that he does it. And and most of it's in fun. They're kind of going back and forth. But he's competitive. He wants to win. Even as a, a, a dad coaching a flag football team, he's he's trying to, to win the game. Um, and I just think that's how he's built. Yeah, for sure. I love that. That's so funny. Um, so I did want to get your thoughts on – were you as – surprised as the rest of us at how the things went down and did you have any kind of sense that this was going to be his last season or was this just you learned at the same time as as the rest of us um I wasn't surprised um I think the signs were there all throughout the year that it was a possibility that that it could happen um you know for me kind of the first sign was him wearing his letterman's jacket to the Chicago Bears game um, and just kind of, you know, what that letterman's jacket means to him, um, you know, in terms of nostalgia and and where he comes from. And when I covered the Bears game, I was actually out shooting a video and Philip came one last time to to get a look and take some pictures. And so, you know, anytime you see a player doing that, kind of taking one final look, that, that, that means that they're kind of going through the process of this could, could be it. Um, I think the second sign for me was when he cleaned out his locker. Um, obviously that's unusual for Philip to do. And, and why would you clean out your locker if you're going to yeah. come back? Um, and, and I, you know, I, I think all of those things kind of, and then obviously, you know, when he, when he moved stuff, <laughs> you know, when you per- permanently move yeah. from your home, you're like, okay, something's going on here. Um, so I think kind of mm-hmm. all those things added up to it. Um, you know, and I talked to Philip a couple of times about the, the, the process he was going to go through. And he had always said he was going to wait till after the, the season was over to make a final decision. And he wanted to take a couple steps back, uh, talk to his wife, Tiffany, to, to, to kind of see what, what he, what he wanted to do. But I, I think 
you know, the way that the season played out also probably had something to do with that. I think if they had had another good season like they had the year before, I think he probably would have stayed. But when you look at the way that the year played out and, and all the turnovers, I think he just wanted to to try something different. And, and who could blame him? Yeah. Yeah. I, I was just going to say, you know, that same thing. Uh, you've been in a situation for so long and, you know, you're been in this city and, and this franchise for so long. I, I certainly don't blame him for, for seeking a new opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that definitely leaves the Chargers in unfamiliar territory. I think, yeah, it's just kind of weird to kind of be looking at, at quarterbacks in this draft and thinking, okay, like this is legitimately like there's a good chance that this player yeah. is a player that the Chargers are targeting because we're just not used to that thing. Yeah. I mean- and so part of that... Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead, Sue. I mean, I, I think you're right. I mean, they, they've kind of kicked kicked it around the last couple of years. You know, I think it started a couple of years ago when they went and watched Paxton Lynch. And you're like, okay, wow, they're, they're looking at quarterback. And then uh, two years ago, you know, they, mm-hmm. they went to Patrick Mahomes and worked him out in private workout. They worked out Deshaun. Um, you know, they, they Ken was not with the Nathan Peterman's workout. So they were kind of always showing up and, and working out these quarterbacks, but they never actually made a move until – you know, last year they, they drafted Easton, but this year you're like, okay, this is, you know, Phillip's no longer there. They kind of have to do something to, to, to replace yeah. him. Um, so yeah, I, I do think I would be surprised to be honest if they didn't draft quarterback in the first round. Yeah. I was going to ask your thoughts on that. You know, I, I assume that right now the team is talking up Tyrod, but um, is there a quarterback that you like in the first round more than anyone? And, and do you think like when, if you were running the team, would you take a quarterback in the first round? Um, I definitely would take a quarterback in the first round if I was running the team, just because you don't know when you're going to be back up this high again and have the opportunity to select uh, a top quarterback prospect. And I think you just have to to take your shot when you have it. Um, They are talking up Tyrod, but they do like Tyrod too. So, while I think they're 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 trying to hype him up, I don't think it's 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 hollow. I do think that they believe that he can go out there and win games. And, and maybe had he started in some of those games last year, they would have won them instead of lost them. Um, so Anthony has a lot of confidence in Tyrod and his ability. Um, but that said, I do believe that they feel like they need to go out and get uh, their franchise signal caller for the next decade. Uh, when you look at the possibilities that are there, you know, I don't think Burrow is going to be there. Um, I think if they want to get Tua, if he's healthy, I think he's probably going to go three and you're going to have to go up to get him. Because um, cause Miami, you know, I think, yeah. think likes him and, and wants him. And I think Tua would be a great fit uh, for this franchise. He's, he's very um, personable, charismatic. Uh, I think that would sell in Los Angeles. Um, but I think there's a risk too. I mean, you know, you have to look at the injury history. Um, you know, past hin- past injury history usually is a pretty good predictor of future injury history, and so that would be a concern when mm-hmm. you're picking that high up in 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 the in the draft. And just following this franchise for the last seven years, um, this is the type of franchise that um, is risk averse. They they want the safest pick when you're picking that high up because there's so many different things that can that can go wrong. You know, you're trying to figure out when you're going to give a guy that kind of money, does he truly love football? Is he going to work 24-7, particularly at the quarterback position when you think about having somebody like Phillip Rivers as the 
the face of your franchise and the guy that kind of sets the tone for everybody else. You're looking for somebody that can give you uh, that similar type of effort uh, in terms of the work ethic. Um, so for me, you know, I know a lot of people don't necessarily like him. I don't, you know, for whatever reason, but Justin Herbert makes the most sense because he checks the most boxes in my opinion. Um, you know, he's going to work hard. Um, he's athletically gifted. Um, I think he's a good fit in terms of what they want to do offensively because the, the offense is going to change. Um, you know, he's a 4.0 student, so you know he's going to work. It, it's not easy to get a 4.0 in college. So it's, to me, that means something. Um, but, you know, there, there's there's warts, just like every other quarterback in this draft. You know, he doesn't throw with great anticipation. You would like for his stats to be a little better in bigger games. Um and I think for me, the, my main concern is, is he going to be able to command a huddle when you have Keenan Allen and Mike Williams and Austin Eckler and all those guys want the ball and they're telling you, give me the damn football. What are you going to say to those guys? Are you going to be able to have the confidence to, mm-hmm. to talk back to those guys? That, that's, that, that means something. Um, so we'll see um, you know, if he has the kind of presence to, to lead a franchise. But for me, Justin kind of checks the most boxes and and I think is the most risk averse pick in between you know Jordan Love and, and Tua. Um, so and I and I think this is the kind of franchise that that wants safe picks that high. Yeah, for sure. I th- I think you you hit the nail on the head. And um, at Anthony Lynn's press conference, I was listening to what he was saying about the quarterback and. And, you know, he wants a winner. He wants someone that has produced a lot. He wants someone that takes care of the football and that can run. And, like, he wants all these things. And so I'm sitting there going, okay, like, you know, we're looking at all these quarterbacks. Who's going to check these all these boxes? And, um, you know, I think and Justin Herbert is a great option. I think Tua is a great option. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's pretty safe to say that Tyrod is going to be the starter next year. Um, do you have that same assumption? Yeah, I'd be surprised if Tyrod wasn't the starter on, on the opening day weekend for the Chargers, just based on everything that's happened right now. I know there's been a lot of talk and speculation about Brady potentially landing with the Chargers. To me, that feels like a long shot. I still feel like either he's going to go back you know, to New England or maybe he lands somewhere uh, like Tennessee just because of the relationships and having that connection with Brable. That, that makes more sense to me than to, to go to a new team a new culture learning a new offensive system uh, new coaches I mean obviously he's familiar with LA because his family has a home here uh, but I don't think that necessarily makes a lot of sense to to go to a whole different franchise and and when you've been with a a franchise that's so used to winning yeah uh, I totally agree and I think everyone points to the weapons that the Chargers have but You know, it's more than just weapons that he's trying to figure out this process for, similar to the one that Philip Rivers is going to make. You know, it's it's going to be more about fit, I feel like, than necess- more than necessarily the weapons that a team might have at this point. Yeah, I agree, Steve. It's about fit. It's about culture. It's about relationships. It's, it's about, you know, you think about it. If you're going somewhere to work, you're going to go somewhere to work where you, you feel like you're comfortable around the people you're working with and they can... Um, give you the best chance to be successful. I think Brady is looking at things in a similar manner in terms of where, where can he go to a team that he can win a Super Bowl and, and have those relationships for him to be successful. Yeah, no doubt. 
So the team did uh, last week. They traded for Trey Turner and they sent Russell Kung, Russell Okung uh, in return. Um, I did want to get your reaction to that trade and how you think it affects the draft plans going forward um, in this offseason. Yeah, uh, I was surprised. I mean, um, when it was a one-for-one trade yeah. and they didn't have to give up any picks, I'm like, that, that's a pretty good deal. You get a younger player, 26, uh, at an area need where you've, you've had issues at the guard position, uh, you know, perennial Pro Bowl player. You do give up a good player and a leader in Russell Okung, who, you know, I still believe has good football left in him. Um, at a premium position at left tackle, but you know Russell, I think is 32, so he's older. Um, mm-hmm. has, still has a year left on his deal at, at a decent number, but you get a younger guy that has two years left on his deal, and you could potentially sign him to more years. And you put him, hopefully, if you're the Chargers, next to Mike Pouncey, and he's he's able to get cleared from that from the next surgery. Um, you're pretty strong up the middle with those two guys, um, and then now you have to figure out the left tackle position. So. Um, I think it was a solid pickup. I don't think it affects how they're going to draft, though. I think, um, obviously, it makes them stronger on the offensive line, but I think they can go ahead and, and continue to, to to address areas in need, whether it's left tackle or right tackle, depending on what you're going to do with Sam, uh, Tevi, and what you think about Trey Pipkins. Um, it'll be interesting to see um, what kind of influence the new offensive line coach, James Campen, has on how they draft mm-hmm. and, and what kind of players they're going to take. I know that Anthony likes younger, more athletic guys up front to, to run his scheme, which is going to be different than what they've done in years past. They're, they're going to be more of a, a zone read team, a wide zone team. And so guys like Sam Tevy kind of fit that, uh, that scheme better because they're athletic and they can move. Um, I think you're going to have the quarterback that's going to roll out more. You're going to run some of that zone read stuff. They'll, they'll move the pocket a little more instead of Phillip Rivers back there seven, eight yards, you know, and you know exactly where he's going to be. So maybe that's a better fit for younger, more athletic linemen, which they, they currently have in the roster. Yeah, for sure. I think, you know, we've seen that transition with um, Trey Pipkins and Sam Tevy where they're, they've been targeting these younger athletic tackles specifically. And, you know, you can talk about Scott Questenberry in there too at center. Mm-hmm. Um, so we've, we've hinted at a, a few prospects in Justin Herbert and Tua. Do you have any other personal favorites, uh, when it, in terms of, uh, draft prospects this year? Yeah. I mean, there's a couple different guys that, you know, just being at the combine and watching and getting a chance to talk to them. I like this year's running back class. Um, I think there's, there's a couple of talented guys that could be available day two, day three, depending on what they do at offensive line, obviously. Um, you know, you're probably going to move on from Melvin Gordon. Why not go out and, and get another Wisconsin back Taylor who had a lot of success and, and, and was very productive uh, for the Badgers. And I think would be a good fit scheme wise. And then I also like the, the kid out of Ohio state. I believe it's Dobbins. Um, the thing I like about Dobbins is I think yeah. it kind of fits what Anthony Lynn is looking at or looking for in running back. When you look at a lot of the, the undrafted rookies that he's brought in, um, they're all kind of 5'9", 5'10", 220 pounds. They're kind of more bowling ball, uh, you know, body type when you, when you look at the running back position. And I think the kid out of Ohio State kind of fits that that mold um, as a, a, a guy that's low to the ground and, and, and still has some suddenness but, but is a bruiser that can run in between the tackles. And I think he would pair nicely with Eckler and Justin Jackson 
Um, obviously, there's a, there's a ton of receivers um, that that makes sense, and they, they need a third receiver that that can give them some speed to go along with uh, Mike Williams um, and Keenan Allen. I think one of the issues with their their offense last year was Travis was hurt, so you really didn't have a, a receiver that could consistently take the top off the defense and create voids in the middle of the field. So they need to get a guy that can really run uh, out in the edge. And either they need to do that with a guy like Robbie Anderson, the Jets and free agency, or there's several guys that can run in this draft at receiver. Um, I like the guy from Memphis too. Again, I'm blanking. On oh, um, Antonio uh, Gibson. Uh, the receiver out of Memphis I like because he can play both running back and receiver. And he's pretty versatile, kind of like Eckler. And I think he would be a nice uh, backup option behind Austin because he can do similar things. Yeah, I, I believe it's Antonio Gibson, the one you're talking about, if, if I'm uh, remembering right. And I really like him as well. Um, so last question, you know, I think, you know, there's a lot of excitement about the new stadium coming up, obviously. Um, I know you've done a couple of stories on, on SoFi Stadium and how the progress is coming all, along. And uh, if you could kind of just give a glimpse of, your personal insight there and and things that can get Chargers fans excited for next season. Yeah, the stadium's going to be ridiculous. Um, I think there's a couple of different things I like about it. Um, the way that the stadium is built, um, the way that they, they built the seats, I think even if you're higher up, you're still going to be pretty close to the action. Um, the Oculus is going to be unique, having a, a scoreboard that's 360. So you can, if you're as, as a fan, you can look, through one screen that's close to you, but you can also look across the field and see uh, replays on the, the inside of the screen because it's, it's two-sided. Um, so I think that's going to be unique. Um, you know, I, I think it's basically Jerry's world on the West Coast. You know, when you, when you think about, you know, the Dallas Cowboy Stadium, um, I've been there a handful of times, and every time I go there, I see something different. Um, so the stadium itself becomes an attraction. Um, and, and I think that's their hope that, that the stadium is going to draw fans in along with the product on the field. Um, so I think it's going to be a great experience for fans the, the tickets are, are cheaper than, than StubHub. So I think that will help kind of bring fans in. I think one concern though, is going to be, uh, ingress and egress, getting in and out of that place. Um, I don't know what the parking situation is going to be like. Um, but I can imagine you're going to want to shuttle in versus trying to find parking around Inglewood, which I think is going to be pretty tough. A lot of, a lot of good insight there for sure. And um, yeah, that was the one thing that I loved about, you know, the stub hub and, and dignity spark sports health park and just how close you were to the game and how much of a cool environment it was. Um, but I'm definitely looking forward to the chargers being in their new stadium and, you know, hearing you talk about it and all that, that insight and I'll be sure to make an, uh, make a note and take shuttles next time I go to the game. Yeah, you definitely want to do that. You'll, you'll save a lot of pain and agony. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. Transportation to a game in general can be can be hectic. Yeah. Um, well, all right, uh, Eric Williams, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, Chargers fans, make sure you follow him on Twitter and, and look for all of his stories on ESPN. He is the best in the business. And, and thanks again so much for your time, Eric. Sure, no problem. Thanks for having me, Steve. I really appreciate it. All right, back to the news. The first bit isn't surprising Benjamin will no longer be with the team which was as called for years ago but became much more likely when the team extended him through the 2020 season which was just a really cute way to free up cap space for the year Stephen this probably wasn't a shock to you what do you think 
Yeah, definitely not a shocker. Um, you know, I think when we talked about this on the receiver episode, having the threat of that speed that he brings, it certainly would have helped last year. Um, it's just the inconsistency in his health and the inconsistency with his actual job duties yeah. and performing <laughs> at those job duties. So, you know, he had some good moments and his first year in LA, he, you know, he was decent. Um, but he definitely did not bring that value that the Chargers and us fans were hoping for. Um, cutting him doesn't really save a lot of cap space like you're mentioning here. Uh, mostly it just frees up the roster spot for the Chargers to go out and um, draft at least one and maybe sign uh, a cheap free agent. Uh, we'll see how that goes next week. But this is more just about cutting dead weight and cutting a player who definitely just needs a new start. Yeah, both sides definitely could use a a new start. I didn't see it didn't seem like Lynn was happy with Benjamin and Benjamin wasn't really doing his job and was it was the Steelers game, he kinda dogged it on a go route or something and, and Lynn was like, Oh, you should have you should have kept running underneath that ball or something. It was uh Yeah, it was rough. Yeah, anyway. and just like you know, watching Mike Williams just lay it out on all on the line after <laughs> yeah. week after week and then watching mm-hmm. Benjamin just like every time he missed a ball he would fake pull a hammy and I'm like, Come on, man. Yep. Like for me, you know, if he's just not good, that's one thing. But I, I just never really felt like his effort was one hundred percent in the game either. Right. And, no, it was. Go for it. And just like that trust factor, like I just never really had that with him. Like whenever he was on the game, whenever he was getting targeted, I never really had the confidence to say, "Oh, he's going to come in and make a play." Unless it was in Kansas City, weirdly, which is like the <laughs> one place that he could play well after getting smashed. Yeah. <laughs> The biggest contact play of his career, he holds on to it. Yeah, it was weird. And, like, the probably the toughest catch of his career he makes with ease, and then all the easy ones he <laughs> just drops. Right, and then he goes out on Twitter, and, and I forget what he did after the Houston drop, where he, Rivers threw a freaking dime oh. into the end zone to tie it up, and he, and he drops it. And then he went on Twitter and said something about it, like, oh, I didn't drop it, it was this or that. I was like, oh, come on, dude. Yeah, that Houston game was rough because he had that one that was, like, yeah, that was in the last driver. It was either on the last drive or the second to last drive. But he had a couple that game where he, uh, you know, I was at that game and he should have caught them and everybody was just mm. like rolling their eyes and it's just like, well, this guy again. <laughs> so the Travis Benjamin experience was was not fun. I think the everyone remembers the safety in New England, which is probably yep. the lowest moment of his own career. You know, if it's not, I would be surprised, but. Um, it was just, it just was a really unfortunate signing that we, you know, I was excited at the time because of his speed and because of his playmaking that he showed in Cleveland, but you know, it just didn't work out, unfortunately. Yeah, it's too bad, but yeah, so they, they will, the Chargers will definitely be looking to replace him soon. And I looked at a, a couple of, a little bit of history here, recent history with how Telesco replaces players with higher draft picks, which is kind of interesting. In 2015, they moved on from Matthews, used a first on Gordon. 2017, receivers here, they released Stevie Johnson, draft Mike Williams in the first round. 2017, again, released DJ Fluker, draft Forrest Lamp and Dan Feeney. And just last year, they released Jaleel Adai and draft Nasir Adderley. Mm. So, I mean, we're not really sure if the Chargers are going to take a receiver. I, I, no one thinks they're going to take them in the sixth pick. But it's possible they take them in the second round. You know, like Telesco said, he doesn't mind when they got to Keenan Allen in the third round. They didn't, they didn't need a receiver, but he was the best player on their board. They thought they took him. The rest is history. So, Stephen, is there anyone? I mean, I think you and I are on the same page 
if they take quarterback in the first round, we probably both want a, a tackle, a right tackle in the second round, unless this, there's just terrible tackles somehow, but I doubt it. Uh, is there a guy in the first round who might fall to the second round? You're thinking, because you, you've been all over the draft now. Is there a guy, is it just Denzel Mims or Bust at this point that you would like the Chargers to take? Yeah, so I mean, we, we saw some clarity with the receiver position after the draft, and I think, you know, the obvious guy here that everyone wants to bring up is Denzel Mims, but um, I think he did enough in the senior bowl and at the combine to cement his status as a potential first rounder. Mm-hmm. The guy that kind of went the other direction is Jalen Rieger um, out of TCU, because so, he ran only like a only four four, but everyone was expecting <laughs> him to be in the high four twos, low four threes. So he kind of did the opposite of Mims. Mm-hmm. Um, same with Brandon Ayuk. I thought Brandon Ayuk was getting a lot of first round buzz, and then he kind of ran slower than thought. So I don't think that Mims will be there at thirty seven. Um, I think Ayuk could be, but like we're saying here. Even if they take a even if they take a quarterback, or not even, especially if they take a quarterback at six, we definitely want them to uh, bolster the offensive line in the second round. There are good tackles in the third round. You know, there's Ben mm-hmm. Marsh, the, the guy out of the small school, and and Matthew Part from UConn. But receiver is a position where it's going to be really deep in rounds two through four. So I would kind of prefer them, even if they took a tackle at six, to kind of wait and just kind of do the Telesco route where they take the best player available and the best value. Um, if that's in the second round, great. I think realistically it's probably going to be the third or the fourth round. Okay, nice. Uh, on to the next bit of news. Speaking of, of tackles, this was a stunner. I mean, we, we kind of knew the Chargers were shopping Okung. We knew the Panthers wanted to get rid of Turner. I don't think anyone had the two sides coming together making this deal. And, and I mean, not just – and the stunner, really, not just the trade – the Chargers didn't give him any picks for it, yeah. which, is, which is totally stunning. How did that happen? Yeah, I mean, you know, you see in the NBA the trades are really mostly player for player and, and some picks. Sure. In the NFL, trades are almost exclusively player for picks. Mm-hmm. So when it came out that they were talking for a Russell Okun trade, I just assumed that they were going to get like a third-round pick for it, which yeah. would have been cool. Like, you know, this is a really good sure. draft, to ha- draft to have some extra mid-round picks, but... Um, the fact that it was Russell Okung for Trey Turner was was shocking, and um, you know I think this wasn't really a Telesco move. This not at all. You know, we've never really seen this happen at all. So, and when I saw when I saw the news break, I was just kind of like, "Wait, really? Like, is this actually happening?" Oh yeah, no. As soon as the rumors came out, I think I first saw it with Josina Anderson. It's like, oh yeah, yeah, they're just gonna trade Okung, whatever. Oh, they're trading to the Panthers. Oh, okay. Oh, they're trading it for Turner. Oh, okay. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Like, it was just a, it's amazing, but, um, I'm happy with it, but I will. Okay. So we'll, we'll talk about the player and I'm a huge fan of the player. I've been watching, I've watched three games of his so far from last year. I'm a huge fan, but I'm just going to get the bad first. And there's not a whole lot of bad, but there, you got to talk about some things. Yeah, for sure. Um, because there's a lot to like. So the easiest bad thing to pick on are the missed games where he's only been available in 79, 72 and 80% of the team's offensive snaps the past three seasons. But I guess it depends how you look at it. If you consider him injury prone, I don't know. But in 2017, he missed three games due to concussion. And in 2018, he missed two games to a concussion. Um, and then one more game in 2018 with an ankle injury and three in 2019 were an ankle injury. The most recent one was a high ankle sprain. So, I mean, concussions are bad, obviously. But if you look at him and say, oh, he's missed nine games and you know, he hasn't played a full season. You know, I get that. But it's not like he's been dealing with the same knee injury yeah. 
the same neck injury, whatever. I mean, they're concussions, which are which are dangerous and scary, obviously, but it's not like a lower leg injury or something. So that's that's kind of all I got for bad. I mean, I, I could look at his pro football focus stats, and I did because I always do, but something tells me, you know, Will Greer and Kyle Allen, a quarterback, don't really help you too much. <laughs> you know, even, even in his worst season, he gave up six sacks and 30 pressures. And, you know, I watched the, I watched his worst game against Green Bay, and even then it wasn't even that bad. So it, his 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 worst game wasn't even that bad. So I'm excited. So Stephen, why is this a good trade for the Chargers? So you can talk about the deal, the player, whatever. Well, I think the first thing to point out is that Russell Okung at this point in his career carries a lot of risk. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, even with him being healthy in 2017 and 2018, you know, he's a lower 30s player who can just potentially get injured at any time and. You know, obviously with the pulmonary embolism that kind of escalated to, you know, really high scale. Um, Trey Turner brings that same kind of risk, but, you know, he's a guard. So if Trey, mm-hmm. Tr- if Russell Okung misses games, that's a huge loss. Sure. If Trey Turner misses games, it's not as big of a loss because they'll have Lamp or Dan Feeney or Scott Glessenberry. So, you know, I think the injury risk is mitigated a little less because just the value of the guard position um, I think it's a good trade because you swap an older player who is borderline elite with a younger version of that same player at a different position. Mm-hmm. So, you know, pro football focus, you bring that up, you know, they don't really like Trey Turner very much. They don't really like sure. Russell Okung very much either. Or Questenberry. Or Questenberry. You know, pro football focus, it's tough to make it as an elite offensive lineman in their eyes. You really have to be like Tyrone Smith type player. Sure. So I just think, you know, swapping the tackle for the guard, you know, it's a good deal because you fortify the guard position and then you have a really great tackle draft class. And even free agency, there's a lot of good free agent tackles out there that they could sign. So this was a really weak guard class and there's not many guards that are free agents either. So trading for Trey Turner, I think, was a fantastic deal by Telesco. And again, it was just really surprising. Oh, super surprising. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> um, yeah, your tweet about that kind of blew up also. Which one about that? I don't even remember what that one was. <laughs> when you were like... Oh, where can I buy more of it or something? Yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. Seriously. I mean, where has this been since 2013? Yeah. You're just... I mean, it's interesting, though. And I said it's like uh, the post-Rivers you know, Rivers equivalent of breaking up with a girl uh-huh. or like you're breaking up with your boyfriend and going to the gym and wearing hot outfits and stuff like that. I yeah. Mean, Telesco's wheeling a deal, and he's getting he rid of stuff, bringing stuff in. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm, I'm freaking impressed with Turner. One of the biggest things, and I just posted this on Twitter. The dude, he doesn't care if you have a family; he will <laughs> knock you over. And what I love so much is that he just looks for work. Yeah, he's always doing something, and and it's great because he's gonna, he's either either both or one of Questenberry to his left or a rookie right tackle to his right. They're going to love him because he'll do his job. And if, if his job's done or he doesn't have anybody to block, he'll walk over and just smash the other guy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't – I mean, I think that's – it's fantastic. I love watching yeah. him. The Chargers haven't really had an interior lineman like him since Hardwick. Like, mm-hmm. you know, playing in the offensive line, you have to be some kind of dog. Like, you really just need to be tenacious. And an offensive line needs that kind of player. You know, especially if you're a young offensive line like the Chargers are probably going to have. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that was my first thing when I noticed him on film, too, is he's just a mauler. He just really gets after it, and he's going to bring a new level of intensity. You know, I think Russell Okung, he brings 
letter he brings leadership and he brings intelligence but he was never really like a dog Mm -hmm. but turner is that he's gonna come in and he's gonna say no we're gonna do this my way we're we're gonna go balls to the wall from day one from minute one from second one and you know he's Mm -hmm. gonna set that example for whoever comes in next to him and if he is playing next to jedrick wills or tristan Wirfs, like that's gonna be fantastic Oh, yeah, that is just going to bring a whole new level of intensity to the offensive line that the Chargers haven't really ever seen. Do you think that changes anything with what Campen wants to do? I have, Like I said, I have no idea how that works, but do you think it changes anything or not? Not really. I think Turner, um, you know, even the clips that you showed, he does a lot of pulling and he does a lot of things Mm -hmm. out on the edge. So I think he could do any kind of zone scheme or downhill scheme. You know, we'll kind of see how that goes with the, the players that they draft and stuff like that. Um, but you know, Pat Meyer, he's the coach and the offensive line coach in Carolina now. And apparently he was huge in making this deal happen. So, uh, shout out to Pat for hooking it up. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I totally understand why you would want a player like Russell looking. I totally get yeah. why you would want him, why you want a solid left tackle. If he clears out medically and you don't have any worries about the embolism, you know, popping up again or whatever happens. Um, I get it, but it's just so interesting that he would he would vouch for Okung and then be like, "All right, let's get rid of Turner." Yeah, well, from the Panthers' standpoint in general, it doesn't really make sense because theoretically they're rebuilding, and right. so trading for an older left tackle mm-hmm. that kind of makes me think that they're not rebuilding. But Matt Rule's one hundred and one is that he comes in and he tears things down and he's going to rebuild. So, yeah, I'm kind of wondering out loud here if this is them kind of saying, all right, Cam Newton, like, this is your last chance. Like, this is your one year. So maybe mm-hmm. maybe that's a thought process of them saying you get one year to kind of see if you can take this current roster to the playoffs and, and potentially contend and then tear it down. Mm-hmm. Um, because Russell Okun's not a guy you want to have around in a rebuild. And, you know, he made it clear that he didn't want to be in a rebuild in L.A. either. So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, he's only on this year. He only has this one year left right on his on his deal. Yeah. So that'll be interesting from a Carolina standpoint to see what this means for the future and specifically for Cam. Yeah, everyone said it was more of a, not everyone, but people were saying that, you know, Turner coming to L.A. was like, okay, now Newton's next or something. But I really just think it means Newton's staying in Carolina because they brought a left tackle in, like you said, for one year. Yeah. So uh, I guess we'll see. Thanks, Carolina. Yeah. Uh, The Chargers, I mean, the Chargers are definitely going to miss Okung. They do need to replace him. Um, he's better, you know, Okung is better than Pipkins right now. You had to take one of them. Of course, he's way better, um, at left tackle, but I don't know. I guess they're really into Pipkins and that works for me. Um, unless they move into the right side, which I never really understood why they didn't put him on the right side, except for the fact that they needed someone on the left side yeah. because it was either that or Trent Scott. So sure. That's man. That's you know, rough. <laughs> I can't remember which of one of the Chargers reporters tweeted out that the team really likes Pipkins and they view him mm-hmm. exclusively as a left tackle. So, um, mm. you know, again, I don't, I can't remember which one that is off the top of my head right now, but you know, they like him and I think Pipkins can develop. I think if you bring in uh, a veteran tackle to kind of provide some competition, I think mm-hmm. that would be okay. A lot of people are saying they should bring in Jason Peters. I don't know how realistic that is just kind of considering the contract that he would bring. And I don't know how interested he is in playing football past this year. So (laughs) I think at this point you draft a tackle and you let the, you let the, the rookie Pipkins maybe 
heavy, I guess, would be under consideration, but I hope I would hope not. And let them kind of just duke it out and see who it ends up on top. Was it okay? I can't remember. Was it you that said you were out on Peters before anybody asks? Was that you? Yeah, I I did say that. I'm just not really a fan of signing a 39 year old offensive tackle. <laughs> I right. You know, I think if if Rivers were still on the team and they were just out on Okung and they wanted to upgrade the offensive line and then sign someone else, I would think I would say, yeah, fantastic, go get Jason Peters. Mm-hmm. But. I would kind of just want to see what Trey Pipkins can do as the starting left tackle. And, and he showed enough signs in the Kansas city and Oakland games where I, I, I want to see more. I want to see him given the opportunity. I don't want to see him get another red shirt year behind Jason Peters. Right. No, and he'll get a shot. They brought in camping for a reason and uh, sounds like he's good at his job. Yeah. So, and again, like be, uh... if you're choosing between signing Balaga to a four year deal, Mm-hmm. or, you know, Hollywood, however you say his name, Vitae, to a four-year deal. <laughs> yeah. Like, I would rather have that than a one-year sure. Jason Peters rental. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, well, whoever plays, they're blocking for one guy yeah. for the next four years. Uh-huh. Let's talk about him, which I think everyone knew he was going to be back in some capacity. But I guess, I think uh, OC Registers Gilbert Manzano was saying, it surprised Eckler he yeah. was being brought back on a contract. He thought he was going to play on the tender this entire this entire year. So, um, yes, they they signed the f- former undrafted free agent to a four year, twenty four point five million dollar contract with fifteen dollars gear fifteen dollars. Jeez, fifteen million dollars. <laughs> now that's guaranteed. a steal. <laughs> fifteen million dollars guaranteed. Um, Telesco once again proving he'll retain his players uh, against uh, you know. Some people wait, say otherwise. Wait, wait, you mean the Chargers aren't cheap? No, it's amazing. And uh, it's so stupid. Like, everyone's like, who's only paying him, you know, six million a year? And I get that. But, like, would you expect them to overpay him? Yeah. You know, pay him $10 million? Like, yeah. just because he didn't give them a huge contract doesn't mean it's a cheap contract either. I think it's pretty fair. Um, but I guess talking about contracts and big contracts, you think this is pretty much means that Gordon's out? I think the chances of him resigning have gone down. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I, per, if I had to guess, like I have no information. I'm not a reporter. If I had to guess, I would say it's about 50% that they let him move on. Mm-hmm. Um, that's just kind of how the situation feels. And again, you know, the chargers are so good at taking these late round draft picks or undrafted free agents like Austin Eckler and turning them into stars. Like, Right. They don't need to take a running back early. They don't need Melvin Gordon. Like they can plug and play and they're excellent at developing running backs. And that's kind of like the strength of this coaching staff. So I'd be okay with Gordon walks, but you know, getting back to the Eckler deal is just, it's a great deal. Absolutely. You know, if he come, if they put him on a tender for next year and then he has even just a little bit better season than last year, then his contract value next season Oof. would be through the roof. Then you have to yep. pay him $10 million a year. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think Austin Eckler, this was a great deal for him. He was an undrafted free agent. He was making, like, next to nothing as an NFL player. So, mm-hmm. you know, going from that to $6 million a year potentially, like, that's huge for him. And it's a great deal for the team. It's great value. You know, you have one of the elite running backs in the league on a, on a very team-friendly deal. So I love it. Yeah, no, I love it too. And I was looking at, I was just curious what, you know, Telesco's deals have always been. I, I, he just seems to always have, even if it seems kind of big at the time, the next year, Austin, that deal just seems so good. I mean, Keenan Allen, 
He's his average is 17th out of wide receivers. Casey Hayward 14th. Ingram's the highest paid player on the team, and yeah. he's 13th among edge defenders. Yeah. I mean, Eckler's ninth, but that's going to change when you have you know Henry and Gordon get their deals, and then Barkley and McCaffrey yeah. and Cook and those guys later on. I mean, and even though he's ninth, the jump from his salary at six million a year to you know the next guy's like t- over you know twice the average is ridiculous. Yeah. So yeah. So th- this was great timing, like you mentioned, McCaffrey and and Henry and like the running back position has never been less valuable than it is now but the Mm -hmm. market for an elite running back is going up and up and so getting Eckler on this kind of deal where he is potentially getting you know workhorse type workload you know I think this is huge absolutely and if you get a guy who can put up 1500 yards I I know McCaffrey did more but if you can get a guy who's basically putting up numbers like McCaffrey for six million a year is that's pretty amazing okay the Chargers have to tell me I know I know they're not listening to this they have to tell me if their video being six <laughs> minutes and 12 seconds long had anything to do with the fact that Eckler's contract is $6.12 million per year. I, I, someone has to tell me that. So you did you notice that on your own or did someone point that out to you? Someone pointed out. Well, I first pointed out that it was like, oh, he gets like, you know, $6 million and it was six-minute video. And I was like, whatever. That was my connection. And someone else pointed out, dude, it's the exact number. Like, what? Yeah, like, that has to be intentional. Bizarre. That has to be intentional. That's, I mean, it has to be. Yeah. I, There's no way. I think it's, I think it's pretty interesting. So anybody from the Chargers, if you're listening, please tell me. Yeah, it's driving me insane. You know, anyone can say whatever they want about the Chargers, but that social media team is the best Oof. in the league. Absolutely. Hey, and the, the, <laughs> they could probably design a logo better than what the Rams just put out. Oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> that thing is ugly and it's not even their team and it looks just like it would be like a chargers knockoff one too like the colors i mean totally so it looks like a chinese knockoff (laughs) for the chargers i don't get what they were thinking no it's like it's like they had did like a fan submission thing and they just picked the worst one (laughs) it's bad like they actually let that leak and um, they haven't announced it right they 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 haven't announced it no they haven't announced it the only thing i've seen about it is they like did a teaser of them taking off the old logo from some wall yeah and then i think that came out on friday and then yesterday and today the the picture of the hat if you haven't seen this yet and you're listening to this and you're confused like just google like ram's logo change or whatever and Mm -hmm. the the logo is just so confusing and I just don't understand how someone who is a professional graphic designer can come up with that. I feel bad for the person who came up with that and said, this is awesome. This is my best work and turns it in and everybody's going to make fun of it. But man, yeah. it's bad. It's bad. I don't know. what I mean, I, are they trying to make the stadium like their Rams logo plus the stadium look plus like waves, but they're like lightning bolts. I don't know. Yeah. Whatever. This is a Chargers podcast, but I had to bring it up because <laughs> fight for L.A. or whatever. Fight for L.A. that lasted one year. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it was not much of a fight. It's more like a France and Germany or something. <laughs> and uh, they were Germany. Oh, man. But uh, we're coming. Yes. Anyway, this is a whole different kind of topic. So that's it for us today. Just news. We I promise we'll get to defensive line and linebackers and safeties and whatever. But we got to get Jason back in California and... You know, Telesco's got to start making these uh, big moves. It's his fault, really. The draft stuff is going to keep coming on for sure. You know, it's just, you know, life has been kind of crazy for all three of us. And then, you know, the free agency stuff is starting back up. So um, we've got Eric Williams today. And if you haven't listened to that, make sure you go listen to that. 
And then we've got some other interviews coming up as well. So we'll get back on the draft train as soon as all the free agency stuff wraps up. And, um, you know, the draft is like 47 days away from, from recording this, which is crazy. That's far. You say that's close. That's far, dude. That's that's like my semester, <laughs> practically. Like, I got to get through another exam set of exams before I get to that. Yeah, the draft is going to be like right when I'm working on finals. So that's going to be fun. Oh, jeez. Oh, neat. I'm going to be oh, like wow. writing a 25-page research paper while the draft is happening. So, Yeah, no problem. <laughs> yeah. So if we're not covering everything like you want us to, whatever. You're not – Whatever. Anyway, thank you, loyal and amazing, incredible listeners for listening to us and whatever. Anyway, uh, Stephen, where can we find you on Twitter? So my personal Twitter account is Stephen I. Hagland, and then the podcast account is GAC Podcast 17. I did also want to shout out all of you who have uh, reviewed us on Apple or Spotify or wherever you're listening to podcasts. Um, we really appreciate those ratings and reviews, and please leave five stars only. Yes, Five stars only be great. I can accept a four, um, but five's great. And the guy who left a two-star review, that's okay, too, because we learn a lot from that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, we're, we're trying to put grades out there eventually. We will figure that out for you Patreon listeners. Uh, what else are we going to figure out? I don't know. Whatever you said. <laughs> we're going to work, work on it. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah, go for it. No, we're, we're having a good time and we're improving for sure. And, and just kind of getting more comfortable with the process. And we appreciate all you loyal listeners out there. And, um, like I said, any feedback that you guys have is welcome on this podcast. And, you know, you can tweet, you can tweet any of us on our personal accounts or tweet the podcast account. And, and, you know, we're really liking all the, the positive feedback that is coming our way. So, uh, just keep it coming and, uh, make sure you share with your friends where you can find the best chargers fan podcast out there. This is Tyler, and you can find me at Tyler J. Shoon. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you on Friday. Goodbye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.